Hello, and welcome to the So Emotional Podcast. Here on the cast, we discuss everything emotions through the lens of attachment, the nervous system, and internal parts work. We're a little irreverent and like to have fun exploring the emotional issues and dynamics that interest us. So come along and hang out. Let's explore the fascinating lands of emotions. Hi, everyone. And welcome to the So Emotional Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Wetzel. I'm a certified relationship and life coach. And this is also your host, Nick Carl. He's an experienced somatic experiencer. That's right. With four years under his belt. He's done a lot of feeling in his life. (laughs) Yes, I have. So today we mined up a few questions and the one we're going to tackle first or just talk about first because something that's been coming up for you angela is this idea of wait what is coaching what is coaching oh well i don't know that we were going to talk about that first necessarily or just shore up the questions but um maybe we should talk about that it was at the top so that's why i started with it oh okay um Actually, what I did, I sort of wanted to talk about first was just kind of this mood that I've been in today. Okay. Uh, I About your mood. Yeah, like I would say today I've been feeling very like crunchy and mm-hmm. cranky. And also um, I've noticed that just where I'm at, like in life, you may have also noticed this, Nick, but like this idea of like new level, new devil. Mm. So as we grow and expand and as we embark on this emotional journey and we go deeper, it's like our level of attunement and awareness can increase. And also our ability to, well, with that, our ability to feel things can increase. And that can also mean that sometimes we're feeling things more intensely than we Mm. felt or that, there are now new things that like feel safe to like come up. And mm-hmm. I decided to step way outside of my comfort zone um, in a few areas this past month. Like I hired a new coach. I went on a trip and did this uh, three day music festival. I've never done one before uh, with a whole group of like new friends that I've really only known for a month. And there's just lots and lots and lots of new things. And I realize like doing new stuff when we don't feel safe can cause our nervous systems to go into a state of dysregulation. And what I have noticed is that the most important thing is being able to find ourselves in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the storm again and again and again, because having ourselves, like having our own back and doing that kind of self-regulation is super important and of course like being able to reach out and connect with people um like me calling you or me talk me talking to my friend alexis or whatever um co-regulating calming my nervous system by connecting with people um is also really important and um anyway i've just been sort of thinking about those things because today i felt um I noticed even through all the work I've done and attachment stuff and my own style was very much fearful avoidant. 
for anyone who doesn't know, it's really just a combination of anxious and avoidant with an element of fear added. And that element of fear and fearful avoidant can really come from a lot of different places, but it can be if there was actual physical abuse or psychological intimidation, anytime you felt fear uh, or afraid of one of your caretakers. And I think that could even be like, if you had a parent that maybe like threatened harm for you or like threatened harm on themselves in some way, if they were scary or chaotic or unpredictable, that can cause that additional layer or level of fear and attachment. So having done a lot of therapy and coaching myself over the years and healing a ton, I still notice at times um, that I will still have approach anxiety, which those who have avoidant aspects will have approach anxiety. And that means you can start to feel anxious or overwhelmed when you have people moving towards you or you have circumstances where you feel overwhelmed um, or like you're going to fail or, you know, it can kind of be like a shame spiral of just feeling like too much is happening and you can't control it. And then on the other side, I still have abandonment anxiety that can come up where it's me being afraid of being left or perhaps certain things in my life leaving and not coming back. And that can kind of include anything from like relationships to something at work to strangely enough, like your favorite mug or your fuzzy blanket, like losing something. It can be like relationship to money. It can be any of those things. So I've been navigating a lot of my abandonment anxiety lately, um, which is interesting. And it's less to do with um, like romantic relationship and more to do with, um, I don't know, just, it, it just interpersonal relationships, period and also some business things. So I've just been noticing that. And I wanted to presence the fact that like on this journey, um, it's, you just keep learning shit. <laughs> and no matter, like, no matter what you do, it's like, you never, you never get it done. Like you're never going to heal everything. And it's starting to just get more comfortable with the fact that there's going to be discomfort and when we can learn to show up for ourselves and and be okay with like not being okay and not like pushing the feelings away then i think that can really change a lot like i think that changes our relationship to ourselves a lot so that's that was kind of yeah something i wanted to say well i think that there is a connection into the idea of what is coaching right and yeah. that is and that is uh sort of like you said there isn't it's not a binary thing right yes you can have enough going on in your being and in your energy and in your emotions and in your thoughts to be um like stunted like wrapped up like hard to get things done right and that like that can be that can be at different levels right i know that you know within the last five years right before i started getting some before i started working in earnest with other people 
on my own being and on my own emotions and stuff that I was really struggling with sleeping. My nervous system was so out of whack. Like I was really very like tied very tightly, right? Mm-hmm. And I think I made some major inroads, which then it did free me up absolutely and changed my trajectory and uh, gave me a different set of problems, right? <laughs> and oh, so, yeah. right. And so, what did you say? Uh, bigger something, bigger something. What is new, it? New level, new devil. New level, new devil. Okay. So, yeah. I see in my mind like a distinct like uh, introduction into the depths of my own emotional body and my own emotional being, and the way mm-hmm. the way that s- some of those things and some of those deeply held beliefs played out in my life. And mm-hmm. where, as previously, I kind of dealt with them on, in some kind of fashion, but some disconnected. So there was a connection made, and then, and then a, like, and then I had to begin to ride a, a different ride at the at the amusement park of my life, you know. And at it still is quite harrowing, right? Like I think that these are a better set of problems, absolutely, right? Right. But but it is still quite harrowing. So it's like, okay, I did. A bunch of fantastic work but still uh, uh there is a, you know a wonderful amount of things that i can i can i can get more comfortable with right so that's one right. of the things that like i think about all the time now so i've been like walking a lot on the track and one of the things that i try to do is soften myself and be okay with whatever is in my being and sometimes it's a little you know, mushy or dark, or there's, there's things coming through. So like, just like soften and like, be okay with whatever comes through in each moment, you know, just like relax, Mm -hmm. relax my being, relax my body, be with what is here, you know, because Mm -hmm. I, my inclination and my practice has always been to be like, you know, I'm like fighting things off. No, 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 no. You're like Mm -hmm. turning away constantly from the moment. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and and rejecting so many things in so many different ways. Um, that acceptance of those moments is like I think that's where like the where the work is, and I think that that journey of acceptance and how deeply you can go into that and of accepting your life and accepting what is given you is uh, maybe never ending. You know, like they talk about you know super yogis who would just like let it all can let it all go and I like I, I don't imagine maybe I am one of those but whatever but I can almost like feel the trajectory you know mm-hmm. and so in that on that sort of like spectrum from being very tied up being very rejective fighting everything and being in a like a like a real battle that um took me down right and really affected my life and made things really hard to do um at some point like i I was pretty exacerbated and was encouraged by some people to reach out and so i started doing research and i got myself connected with actually a therapist it was coaching because it was across state lines right coaching okay he is a therapist you know Mm -hmm. um and we did the somatic work like essentially 
to me, I've, it feels like pretty basic one-on-one stuff of entering your body and experiencing what is there and then having safety with somebody else through attunement and connection. Uh, and it's just a practice of entering the body and being with what is there, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, the line between coaching and therapy, I think is a little fuzzy, right? Because, right, because um, mm-hmm. I watched this really great uh, uh, YouTube video uh, this week of a therapist and he was trying to get into the nuts and bolts of the basics of like, okay, there was, he counted 370 different modalities, cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, like oh, he ran down a giant list, you know, mm-hmm. he himself was, uh, schooled and practiced in somatic work and attachment work, uh, the work of John Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth, you know, and he mm-hmm. thought that the, some of the basic one-on-one uh, structure of how a therapeutic relationship works is like safe space, right? Safe space. Well, that happens in coaching too, you know. There's mm-hmm. uh, like the, he talked about like a three-level listening, you know, which is like uh, as a therapist, he like listens and accepts his client's uh, message, you know, and what they're communicating. He also listens inside of himself for his own uh transferences and how it interacts with his own emotional body and then he's listening and being perceptive to how his words interact with the emotional body and somatics of the person that he's talking to right and trying to balance this and being aware of that is a really fundamental and generative human thing right and so both of those happen in in coaching and both of those things happen in therapy, which was his argument that that's like the basics of how it actually can help people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other like uh, kind of distinctive differences that you that you think about? Well, basically, like what I was trained on, um, I went to IPEC, which is the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching. Um, and they, their definition of the difference between coaching and therapy is that therapy is really taking someone from a non-functional state. Like they're just, they're not doing very well, like barely surviving. Like can't get and, out of bed. Like can't get out of bed or they're having like crippling anxiety. A lot of it is like mental health and being able to diagnose some um, perhaps like disorders. Right. Um, Although if you get into like the trauma informed field, a lot of there's, there's a lot of um, like dissenting opinions as to like what disorders are and, and like our disorders actually like the body in perfect order, responding to environment, responding to things. So it's, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's different um, like schools of thought, even within like different therapeutic models like um it just depends on the the system right because there's the the dsm like the um the manual to for diagnosing like all of the different psychiatric disorders um and then anyway well that's a whole thing (laughs) get into it but um basically 
it's like that school of thought can be on um, illness or disorder or like mental health issues as opposed to looking at the entire system to say what if what if this person or this um, their their um, psychology isn't misbehaving like what if it's actually in perfect working order but um, to go back to the definition thing it would be more like therapy is to take someone from not functioning so well into a functional state being able to to mm-hmm. work and like sleep well and just you know like basically live their life right yeah. have some sort of baseline of yeah <laughs> of functionality like to yes functioning and, like, live yeah life. right right like being an adult to some degree like being able to be a, a contributing member of society right okay and then coaching is really meant to take someone from functional into thriving so that means like areas of your life where you feel stuck it's like can be more about functional goals and like um moving towards like specific end goals and it's also not to say you can't do that in therapy too to some degree and now there's a lot of like training crossover mm-hmm. um there are a lot of therapists that become coaches because um it's just the um gosh it's like how do i even get into this whole thing and explain um there there are, i think differences in how um emotions and like energy are approached if you look at the different models but again it just depends like there's just so many different modalities like you Mm -hmm. mentioned um yeah so i mean i would say like coaches are not trained therapists we are not trained to diagnose mental health disorders but what um, i've been trained to do and it is an important aspect of training is to understand when someone is coachable and when someone is not coachable Mm -hmm. and um and when someone isn't coachable and they come it's our job to help refer them back to therapy or refer Mm -hmm. them to therapy because you can have people that don't necessarily need to go to therapy they may have like a decent basis of functionality in order to to do coaching and then and get great results from it Right. But um, other times there are people like maybe they have done therapy, but they need more therapy. And it's not like a comment on them being good or bad or whatever. It's like never a judgment on that. It's just like, um, and I'm trying to think about like how to define like coachability, but it's the ability for someone to essentially be able to shift like, um, I guess be able to observe their own behavior, observe their own emotion, Mm -hmm. um, to such a degree where there's at least some level of duality, meaning that they're able to witness themselves with enough space that they're able to actually, um, move into their prefrontal cortex. So their seat of Mm -hmm. higher awareness so that they're actually able to take some control and then make a mental shift and create a new behavior. And when I'm working with someone or I have, um, and I, I really have only referred one client back to therapy and it was simply because, um, what started happening is there was a shift into victimization where I, um, 
in her opinion, like I was victimizing her and causing her to feel certain emotions that she was like, you essentially was like, you made me do this. And then you made me feel this way because of this. And so I, then I, to me, that's recognition that there's lack of understanding of boundaries, lack of understanding of self-sovereignty and, and personal authority. Mm-hmm. Um, and not understanding how emotions like where they're generated and how that works. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up referring that client back into therapy and, um, it is normal, I think for people to feel, or to feel some sense of like maybe being insulted by that. Or even if you tell, if you like tell a friend or somebody like, I think you need therapy, like people can take that as like an insult, but I never, ever view it that way. It's just, I view it as that aspect of the nervous system, just needing more support when Mm -hmm. it comes to having those emotions being heard and held and witnessed, because without that, there's no way that we can create the space needed to actually um, have like, I guess that sense of calm or to identify the difference between us and our emotions Mm -hmm. or to be able to identify the fact that we can have boundaries or any of those things. Right. So I believe there are a lot of foundational things that need to be put into place via therapy or via secure relationships to some Mm -hmm. degree, healthy, healthy modeling or whatever, because I can tell you um, when I first uh, went into therapy, I I was not a good candidate for coaching. It took me several years before I was able to be, um, get into coaching. And when I had my first coach within six months, I realized that it wasn't the right coach for me. And I was able to understand the difference between healthy relationship dynamics within coaching and healthy relationship dynamics within therapy so that I was able to request another IPEC coach because, um, and not to like brag on my, my, um, coaching program, but it was excellent. It really was. Um, and really helped me understand a lot of those differences, like the difference between anabolic, anabolic and catabolic energy. So energy that's generative is anabolic. It's, it's, um, creative, it's generative, it's cooperative. It's like, good, good feeling, um, good feeling energy. And then energy that's catabolic, it's more destructive, it's breaking down. So mm-hmm. essentially um, what I realized they were teaching in IPEC and actually the reason, <laughs> the reason why I didn't necessarily want to become a coach is that I was already heavily into psychology and emotional work and even like spiritual stuff. And I really thought that coaching was going to ignore this whole aspect of like spirituality that I had really gotten into. And what I learned was that coaching was so much more about energy and emotional energy, like really about understanding like how to climb the emotional ladder Mm -hmm. and like feel into energy and understand intuition and things without maybe directly saying that. Um, so I was very pleasantly surprised to, to, to see that they were basically um, talking about Dr. David Hawkins' scale of human consciousness, or even like 
polyvagal theory, how that even ties into it. And like, mm. um, if you look at Abraham Hicks, like that emotional vibrational scale or the Hertz scale, which are all the same things. They're just like emotional ladders mm -hmm. and based on um, emotional vibrations because Dr. Bruce Schneider, he's the guy that created IPEC or founded IPEC. He has something that he calls the seven energy levels and it's really the same thing. So it was very cool to see that um, what he created or, or what basically what he was explaining tied in so well to all these other emotional or energetic ladders that already existed. Mm -hmm. So for me, like coaching, the, the foundation of coaching is really being able to understand and interpret energy, which sounds maybe a little <laughs> far out there, kind of like woo woo. But if you study like heart math or um, what, like quantum physics and, and things like that, then you understand that everything is energy, like heart um, our hearts do have certain like waves and patterns and depending on whether we're in coherence or not, there's just different. And even the brain, there's like alpha, beta and gamma, delta waves and things like that. Um, so depending on what different frequencies we've got going on, even emotionally, there's different vibrational um, resonance for all those emotions. Well, I can think about my own emotional, we'll say resonance when I needed therapy, you know? And so down the scale of just, uh, mostly it's just shame things, which is at the bottom of the scale, uh, mm -hmm. are so, those types of energy in my being are so powerful, right? That it's really like twisting me into a pretzel, you know? And so one of the things you talked about in coaching is about the ability to have perspective. And when, if you're internal, so we talk about, you know, like part stuff too, if you, you know, so, you know, like for me, I didn't, I thought that I was sort of through all the, you know, the, the big waves of bullshit in my own life. And it kind of creeped up on me until it started really bending me out of shape. Right. Um, in those very hot and very low on the energetic scale times, it is, you know, if I, if I sort of like go to a coach or even, even some of the ideas, cause you know, like I've read and seen like so many things, like for a while I felt like old Charlie Brown because I would like pick a new program or something and like try to do a thing. And it was just like, nope, it's just like tee up the ball. Here's the thing that I got to do. And just like no follow through. That's just because I was like, these other things that I haven't dealt with that I didn't have, I didn't really have the tools or the know-how or the guidance to deal with were dragging me down. Right. And so I think <laughs> probably for most of my life, I was not a good candidate for coaching because I had these really strong energetic pieces, emotional pieces that I was divorced from that were essentially ruling my life. Right. And so I sort of see that, you know, as uh, like consciousness is like this little ball, and for me, it was kind of, it was stuck in this mire, right? And it, my life started to get really, like, and it affected all aspects of my life, absolutely and for sure. But then on a longer timeline, when my ability to maintain that system started to fall apart, those, that system of keeping all that energy down, like, like not recognized, not expressed, and not taken care of, 
when that when keeping the beach ball under the water started to fail i really started to struggle in just everyday life like i was having a hard time of it just like getting out of bed and going to work like sh shit was like like paper thin mm. sometimes for me it was like anger most of it was anger like i was just exploding all the time and it was and it was it was bleeding out into a lots of places in my life um but like i think about myself now so it's like okay well, I've made some inroads. I've, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if, if, if I've healed stuff. Has my vibrational awareness changed? Somewhat, you know, not completely. I still, you know, deal with that kind of stuff all the time. Like you talked about your uh, mm -hmm. avoidance and then you're worrying about being uh, abandoned or a approach anxiety and then being abandoned it felt a little bit like a sandwich you know it's like it's like yeah it is here but, the... but i'm gonna lose things too and it's like it right. feels like a little bit of like and i imagine if both those yeah. things start pressing in on you it's like you know that little bit of you that's you inside might get a little squeamish you know might yeah little... it definitely um like I, I guess through all the therapy and work that I've done, it's like, and so I was talking to a friend earlier briefly and I had said, I feel a bit overwhelmed and I'm feeling exhausted. And like, um, I forget the other word I used, but it might've been like chaotic or frazzled or something. And then I said, but it's okay, I'm fine. And she mm. said, she said, those two things don't go together. That doesn't make sense. And I said, it does because I'm comfortable in the overwhelm. Like I know I trust in my own resilience. I trust in my ability to be able to handle it. I trust in my ability to reach out and get support when I need mm -hmm. so that I am, there is a state of like mastery and comfort in the discomfort. And I think if I didn't have that, I would not be coaching other humans. Like well, I, I think, would. I think that that's one of the wider perspectives that starts to bud, right? And that is, there's that implicit lie in some of those things that, especially when we'll say these types of spiciness come up, they come up from the, from the depths, right? From the deep past. And, and, the, mm -hmm. and the implicit part is it's always going to be this way or the world was always this way, right? Mm -hmm. So the limited view you're seeing now is this is really the truth, which is like a little sneaky whisper that comes in, you know? And so even in, say, the past year when it's gotten really spicy, I know, mm -hmm. I know that all I have to do is just wait a little while. You know, mm -hmm. and inevitably, like, and I've started to like develop a faith in that, you know, and I think that if, if I could continue to grow that, maybe I could start meeting those times when it gets really spicy and I'm starting to feel a lot of pressure about the type of um, compassion that I can have for myself there, right? Mm-hmm. Of just like you know, you know, like hey, hey, bud, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes things are tough. Yeah. Instead of 
using that energy and using that moment and then seeing a thousand years, you know, that things can never change or only seeing it from that perspective, which right. is, which is scary. But I think that that's, that is a wider perspective that begins to sort of be seeded into even the times now, maybe when it gets a little rough, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's, so it, it's like, I think when we become more masterful at this, we can go in and out of identification with mm. those parts and personalities that are like, this is utter shit. Like it's never going to get any better. It's always going to be like this. Mm -hmm. Nothing new is happening. What you want isn't possible. Like right. all the very bad feelings. Right. Yeah. And then on the other side of it, it's like, to me, it feels like going in and out, like being in identification and then pulling back and knowing that like being able to observe it and hold it. And then sometimes being in it both like, but it's not ever fully identified and maybe not in a place yet, especially with the, with the stickier items, the stickier, heavier things that come up. Um, and it, I don't know, it's just really interesting to feel how much emotion and power is there. Like, mm. and I don't mean like, it doesn't feel like it's powerful over me. Like I don't feel victimized by it. I think like I used to, like I definitely felt victimized by emotions for a long time, mm -hmm. but now it's more like, um, reframing like how I feel about emotions. And I, I think this is really important. Um, just, and this is a, a common thing when I do consults um, or I hear a lot um, from people that have experienced a lot of trauma or that are highly sensitive and they'll say like, I hate my emotions. I'm so tired of feeling. I'm mm -hmm. so over it because I think what can happen is we can have an awakening to a certain level where then suddenly we're, we are aware and we're feeling, we're no longer numbing. We're no longer dissociating. We're no longer distracting. And suddenly it's like all this emotions there and we do not have the skill set to know what to fucking do with it, right. but it's here. Right. And then it can create this like adversarial relationship where the emotion is the enemy. It's here to like sabotage it. It's um, it's a thief. It's just here to like be a pain in the ass. Why is this here? I don't want it. I don't like it. And that can be introjection or ways that we have learned to treat ourselves by how our parents treated our emotions. So mm -hmm. when we were when we were needy or crying or throwing a tantrum or whatever, it was like, oh, go away or just go get get out of here or whatever that was, right? right. And we do the same thing to ourselves, the same thing to our emotions when they show up. But it's like, what if we're able to put emotions in their rightful place and and recognize them as messengers and welcome them as guests, welcome them as friends and lovers and mentors and experts and um, just important, um, I don't know, holy, holy messengers, right? Like, right. because if you have your hand on the stove, and if all of your nerve endings have completely like atrophied or died and you don't 
have the nerve endings, you're burning your hand. So it's like, do we, do we really not want to feel pain? No, we do. It's necessary. It teaches us our limits. It's giving us information about how to keep ourselves safe and um, giving us information about who we are, where we are in time and all these different things. And so emotional pain is really not very different. And I think the difference is, is we can choose the pain and really allow those emotions to be there and speak to them like, you know, like, hey, sweetheart, like, I feel you or, hey, like, thank you for coming. Thank you for letting me know. I feel you. I hear you. I'm listening. Um, and the, and welcoming the pain of that to know that there's transformation happening and that there's things that we're creating because we're allowing ourselves to be impacted and influenced by the information as opposed to suffering, which is pushing it away and saying, I do not want this reality, whatever this is. It's like what these emotions that are happening now, like I don't want to feel this way. And when we are in resistance to emotions and they become an enemy or maybe they become a, a perpetrator and like we're the victim and they're assaulting us and harming us, right? Then it's just interesting how the relationship to our own emotions can really dictate whether we experience pain and we move through it or we are existing in this place of suffering, like the seventh circle of hell and this like groundhog's day of just never ending shit because we are resisting the like the very information that we need in order to um, make sense, make sense of our world, make, make sense of life, make sense of our values and, and what life means to us and all these things. And um, so I just, um, but it makes sense to me why, like there can be a very painful relationship to emotions based on um, the covert and overt emotional abuse that happens. Mm -hmm throughout our lives. Yeah. So I absolutely agree. And I think that that relationship, right? Your relationship to your own emotions is, I don't know why, but it feels like so kind of like almost hidden, you know? So do you do coaching around that particular in interaction, how people experience? Yeah. Because I know now that it is like, it's like a practice thing. It's like a thing you have to like practice. And once you begin to do it, it's like, oh, okay. Like that, uh, right. my patterns of interacting with my own emotions for, were just set and like, and I never even like second guess them, you know, that's another sort of like wider perspective, right? I, like, absolutely. It's mm -hmm. tricky because of the different, um, we'll say speeds and, uh, intensities of emotions, how they come and how, how quickly they can do their thing, you know, that like, mm -hmm. so I, uh, I know that I have plenty of more work to do to, uh, be loving and accepting of my own emotions when they do come. Right. Cause I still have, I still have, yeah. uh, situations I get myself into where things get rejected, like out of hand, you know? Yeah. yeah. But I, I also think that when, so I think we've talked about this a little bit in I think one of our past podcasts um, where emotions can become triggers. So right. when, when an emotion becomes tied to 
um, a moment of trauma, then when that emotion arises, it's going to solidly like pull us back into that past or into resistance or trying to avoid the pain of the um, like neuroception. What our nervous system anticipates is going to happen because that emotion is present. Right. So there's lots of like sticky kind of things. Um, so do you think if somebody says, I'm sick life. of, I'm sick of feeling whatever mm -hmm. it is, is that that situation? Like they've developed a trigger to their own shit? Yeah. Like, I mean, likely they're yeah. feeling triggered by their own emotions or they're feeling victimized because, um, and I don't know if I ever ended up finishing saying what I was saying, but, um, I think what has been happening to a lot of people um, just in the past couple of years, because with everything being shut down and there being so many more, I don't, I don't, it just like feels like all hell is broken loose. Like when it just comes to all of these different things that are happening, right? Just yeah. so much chaos and turmoil in, in the world, right? And it's like, everything is sort of, blowing up right it's kind of wild people have had less and less places to run to and distract and numb like it's almost become impossible to avoid and then if you're steadily watching the news or i mean whatever is happening because there's just been so much change in such a short period of time i think a lot of people have been thrust into awakening meaning that it's, it's almost like a crack in the shell or the veneer of like numbness or dissociation. And suddenly it's so much that they can't ignore it anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's like, they can't drink it away or they can't, or, or they're like, people have been sort of stuck in their homes, like with their spouses and when they could usually just leave and, and find something better to do and be like, oh, they're on my, they're getting on my nerves. Like now they're, they're like facing it and it's like right in their face and they can't right. get away from it. So I think that, and yes, we can experience awakening like through inspiration, of course, but I just think it's human nature that we're more likely to, to awaken through like serious suffering, yeah. like suffering, like Eckhart Tolle talks about his story of like immense suffering, like sitting on the bench. And I forget what everything that had happened that was so awful, but he just talks about like his ego kind of cracking open. And he yeah. was just like in this blissful state for like how long. And like um, Byron Katie, who talks about just like the immense amount of pain and suffering she went through. And then like, she was lying on the floor, maybe upstairs somewhere and this like in her bedroom or something. And also the same thing happening. Mm -hmm. And, um, and in those cases, it's like their egos had been like totally cracked open like there was just not like nothing left to really kind of um to to like they couldn't resist any longer like they just couldn't hold it together but i think for a lot of people it like there's cracks and then it can get bigger and bigger and then it's like awakening over time but unfortunately because of all the stuff that's been happening i think it's it's harder and harder for people to stay asleep and to ignore that things are shifting and there's crazy shit happening Right. Um, but also awakening and not having the emotional skill sets or tools to manage and be with those emotions and know how to just hold them or discern, like to understand how to be an emotional surfer 
that is a huge recipe for suffering because how you were related to as a child, how your emotions were related to as a child, you will relate to them the same way because if you don't have the modeling and that is just a recipe for more and more suffering. And so when you're finally feeling so much or you have grief and sadness and anger and frustration and terror and all of these things coming up at the same time, like it's really, really, really difficult to like hold it together and be able to hold space for that. Mm -hmm. And even someone who has a decent mastery of those emotions, like that can still be a really tough time too. Mm -hmm. experiencing grief, experiencing major loss of something that was safe and familiar and secure or whatever. So it's like, it's, it's really tough goings, but it is possible to learn the tools and the skill sets to be able to not just learn how to self-soothe, but to also reach out and get the support. Um, but when that first happens, like I, I will testify right now because I remember being more awake, like awake without having those tools and it's fucking awful. It's, it's like the worst to be able to feel everything, but not know what to do with it or how to handle it. Like it's, I I honestly don't wish that shit on anybody. Yeah. What about the idea of people reaching out for coaching who don't think they can be helped? Well, I think it's really normal when we haven't experienced that, um, that like new paradigm. So if we're living in a paradigm of I'm a victim, I can't have what I want. Life is shit, whatever that like world or whatever that story is. Oftentimes living in that world or, or in that story means that we've created something entirely opposite that that's what we really want. So usually what we value, what we desire comes from lack of something or comes from experiencing deep pain around something and we create something new. Like if um, we know deeply what it feels like to be abandoned, then we're already in our minds like creating the opposite of that. What I really value, what I really desire is connection. Mm-hmm. and security and steadfastness and consistency. Um, but unfortunately, when that's unfamiliar to the nervous system or that thing has never been modeled before, or ever experienced before, it's really hard to believe that it's possible, especially if we've never seen it and we don't know what it feels like. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I can even say this for myself, like I consistently have my own coach that I work with. I I work with um, different coaches on different things from time to time. And like, I have my own stuff where I'm creating new things that I've never experienced before that people in my family have never experienced before. Like I'm doing new things Mm -hmm. that no one in my immediate family or even extended family has done. Right. And so it takes a lot for me to say, this is what I want. I have no idea how it's possible, but I want it. And I want to keep focusing and doing this. And I have again and again hit goals and, and reach things that I wanted to reach that I truly didn't think were possible. 
And I don't think they would have been if I didn't have the support and the container for it. And I've seen my own clients reach relationship goals and reach goals like just in their life, just to say like, I love my life. Like I can literally say, I love my life. I can literally say I'm the, I'm experiencing more happiness and more joy than I ever thought was possible. Mm-hmm. But when they first come, they're like, I'm hoping that this is possible. I really don't believe it's possible. Mm-hmm. And it just depends on where they're coming from. Like um, I had one client in particular who had a young child and um, was, was sure that no one would want to date her or be with her because she had a young child. Mm-hmm. And then she met someone and he just, he kept stepping up. And at first he was like, well, I'm not sure if I want to raise another kid. Like, I'm, I don't know. But we were doing the work to like not focus on that, working on her allowing more um, her appreciating where he did show up, what he wanted to offer, being okay if he did step away or say it wasn't what he wanted, like just not adding like fuel to a non-existent fire, right? Right, right. And he loved being with her so much. He just started stepping up. He just started showing up again and again and again. Hmm. And it was really beautiful. And yeah. she was just like, holy shit, like he's decided like, yes, he wants to. And then, um, yeah. And her life changed and she had an entirely different experience of partnership than she had had before when she was married. And I think Um, without the container that you guys were able to forge, right. Then kind of all the old patterns weigh in and then start pressing in probably, you know, um, maybe. Yeah. And then you get the, you know, yeah, it's, it's like the, the self-fulfilling prophecy um, that I see again and again, like what, what we focus on either consciously or subconsciously, like we will create because right. we're putting energy there. So when we have parts that are like freaking out and are focusing on abandonment, like you can look at your own life and I'm sure you've seen it and I've seen it myself where I have done things that are actually recreating the circumstances that I'm trying mm-hmm. to avoid. Like it's yeah. when you look at it, it's almost like crazy making being like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. Like I've been afraid of abandonment. And yet I did this thing where I'm literally pushing people away so that they will abandon me because it's a younger part. That's like, it's, it's coping mechanism or its strategy is literally that age where it's just, it's like the, the uh, the the strategy of a five-year-old mm-hmm. and it's like they don't really have the skill set and it it may have worked in the home or at that younger age but when you're all grown up in entirely different contexts when you're on your own right it's... navigating different relationships like it just doesn't work the same way and so mm-hmm. you can you know um and also you you've probably seen i know you've seen this Um, And I've seen this too. And I think everyone has some experience of like seeing their friend or their parent or their partner devolve into like a four-year-old or a six-year-old or like a teenager. Like Mm -hmm. we have all seen these other personality or these younger parts, which is why people are like, you're acting like a child, like stop it. And it's like, yeah, they are acting like a child because that's the personality 
that's mm-hmm. driving the bus at the moment. Mm-hmm. So those personalities will recreate the thing that they're afraid of, although they're trying to avoid it, they're focused on not doing that. So it's like um, an example I gave recently was like, it's like if you're in an ice cream shop and you ask your friend, like, what do you want? And they're like, not pistachio. (laughs) And they're like, well, what do you want? I don't want pistachio. And then it's like, they're only looking at pistachio. And then you're like, well, here, do you want like vanilla? And they're like, oh, I hate vanilla too, or whatever. But it's like, they're not focused on what they're really wanting. Mm. And it's really hard to create. It's really hard to create or get what you want if you're only focused on what you don't want, or if you're like, oh, I don't care. It doesn't matter. So when we're not in touch with like, our actual desires, or if we're not continually focusing and refocusing and recommitting to what we want to create, then we're naturally going to fall into those subconscious, unconscious uh, patterns and energies and behaviors. And then of course we get the same. So tricky, tricky. It is, it is tricky. It's very tricky. And you can work on that in coaching. Yes, you can actually. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's actually a huge thing that um, I work on. Like, well, I work on with my own coach um, is timelines. It's like, what are you creating? If you follow these parts and you follow your fear and you just listen to the bullshit, it's like, what is going to happen, for example, um, like, let's say your fear is like never falling in love and like finding that partner. But what if you think like, it's never gonna happen, never gonna happen for me. And how that makes you feel is likely garbage, very depressed, very, you know, if this is something you really want and you feel like you can't have it, it's not very motivating. So then that would lead you to like, put on your sweatpants, lay in bed, get some and dawes like maybe watch um, When Harry Met Sally on repeat or something, right? Like trying to make yourself feel better. But what you're not doing is anything that's actually getting you out of your house meeting people. So it's like being very careful about what thoughts, what beliefs, what behaviors we're engaging in. So yeah, coaching does cover a lot of that. Yeah. I was thinking about that scenario you talked about, uh, you know, mm. never going to be in some relationship. I was just thinking about in my own brain. Sorry if this is non sequitur. So I, I don't sit and like eat Haagen-Dazs and, uh, you know, like bum out about it, you know. Mm-hmm. What I think I've started to do is to not trust the desire. Yeah. yeah 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 there's which just different... leaves me kind of like a like you know it's a little bit of like a it feels just like an in-between zone right so it's like i guess that desire was there for a long time but now it's like well, i don't know if i trust because it just seems like it seems very old right as in right. that strong desire comes from like a wounded place you know 
Mm-hmm. And it's like, right. And it was such like a bleat of just like, oh, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. Or it's just like, well, no, not necessarily. That's nice. It's a nice thing, but you, you don't, you don't need that. You're okay. You know, mm-hmm. we're okay. You know, yeah. you don't have to get into that. Anyway. I think that there's a difference between desires that come from our ego and come from our pain Hmm. and like deep soul desires that are born of like inspiration and expansion. Hmm. And I I think it's also important to be able to discern the difference because Hmm. when um, it's, it's sort of like, those desires that come from wounded places can be very like addictive. Yeah. Right. So it's like, I need this thing in order to feel better. Right. right? So I'm desiring this because I feel like shit. So I'm going to feel better. And if I get this thing, I'll feel better. Right. And that is like a natural, normal thing to do. Um, but it's backwards. It's like, you'll get that thing and you're not necessarily gonna, you might feel better temporarily. It might last second. It might last a couple yeah. days, but it doesn't necessarily guarantee the thing that you think you're going to get by getting that thing. Mm-hmm. But if you have like a deeper, like soul desire, inspiration to do something, it's, I think it has a different feeling to it. I think different it's, resonance. It's, yeah, it's like, um, I think it's expansive. Mm-hmm. I think it can just feel really exciting. And it it's almost like not necessarily like tied, like it, it's almost like wanting something, but it's like not being as attached to that desire because it just feels good mm. to be able to experience like the expansiveness of that thought or that desire and then it's like, it doesn't have to happen or not, but it's almost like it, it leads you or it guides you as opposed to you trying to grab onto it. Yeah. I know so, that like, in I my think... own, in my own bouquet, uh, noticing the difference between those things is something that like I have developed and not concretely and not like mm-hmm. eagle eyed. But it's like, you know, I'm like a bloodhound of sorts, you know, it's like, you know, mm-hmm. sniffing out things. It's like, oh, you know, and uh, I think it that's just like part of my own learning process is like, and I'm not trying to, to like be an asshole to those things. Maybe a little bit where like when I'm uh, de- deconstructing it in my own head of just like, oh, no, that's old shit. And then when I start to dig into it a little bit, it's like, oh, no, that's just those are. <laughs> yeah, those are old carrot and stick things. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, what if we set that down and just explore what's going on here, right? And then maybe search for something that has that quality to it, right? Of, of mm-hmm. like expansiveness, like feeling yourself like flush with energy of, you know, like excitement and presence, you know, and not, mm-hmm. not the energy signature of stuff that you know, ties back to me, you know, back to the relationship with my mother and like being a baby, you know, (laughs) like, cause that Mm -hmm. comes in a very certain way and I can smell it. I can taste it. I can feel it. And, uh, Mm -hmm. some of it is a little reactive and I, I do still struggle with like pushing that stuff away, but also 
learning to like be okay with it too and to like you know try to integrate some of the stuff express some of the stuff and do all the things that yeah i think it's important to like not shame those desires but to be like make sense why you might want that or why you might have wanted that at some point or even Mm -hmm. why you think you still want that like you want to feel better yeah that's okay and it it doesn't mean that um it doesn't mean you can't have that but also it's like if we're going to get that then how do we um how do we come at it from like a healed place as opposed to like you know how do how do i give this part of me what it's needing now the support and the unconditional love and acceptance and understanding so that it's not like craving this external thing to like need to be fixed or feel better or whatever it's like right. you know and i think like about that. that i think about that in a lot of different situations not only with relationships also with relationships but it's like entering into things with the idea that like it's going to fix a problem for me you know yeah i think it's really human so yeah. i even find myself doing this and i'm like oh it's so tricky because yeah. then i'll be like oh i did the thing again where it's like right. I'm and stick making, and yeah, mountain, I'm making, right? yeah, sugar mountain. I'm making this external thing. If I get this or I have this, then that'll mean like I win or I'm good or I get these feelings. And I'm like, oh, it's all backwards, right? It's right. like tricky, tricky, new level, new devil, new level, new devil. Yeah, it is really tricky. And like, um, just to go back to like the coaching thing a little bit. Um, cause I had gotten in this big, like discussion with a friend of mine and he was saying like coaching or therapy is superior to coaching. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> and people will have like different theories, like probably feelings about this, but I feel like they are complementary fields and they're not the same thing, you know, they're just not. And while, and, and, you know, coaching is still widely unregulated, um, and in therapy, it's just kind of like, there's really great vetted credentialed therapists. There's really great vetted credentialed coaches. Mm-hmm. They're all, we're all still fucking human. Mm-hmm. There are some really bad therapists that despite their best efforts end up mm-hmm. causing further damage. There are lots of coaches that will damage people as well. And nobody's perfect, but I do think that what's most important is that each person in their field strives to um, work in integrity, continue their education, mm-hmm. try to stay up to date on the latest like neuroscience and um, all the latest developments that they can without, you know, flogging themselves um, to death, but, you know, doing their due diligence and also just making sure that their heart's in it, that like, they really want to be in this field, that they're not just here because it's like about the money. It's like, if it's really about the money, then you probably shouldn't be doing this thing. Right. Um, I heard, I heard some therapists argue, argue once that like, it was one therapist arguing to to another that one of her imperatives is that she had to like her client 
you know, mm-hmm. to like be on the same side where her colleague didn't think so, didn't think that was like an important part. Mm. And I think, I think that it, that's like really like a fundamental thing, right? You have to, you know, the container, right? has to be right. like this, like mutual thing, you know, because at the end of the day, mm. it's just two people like working together, trying to be creative and like, mm-hmm. you know, you come with like a plan or an idea and seeing how some of the things work together and like asking another person to participate with you in exploring some of these ideas. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, you reminded me of something like one of the fundamentals of like acting. Yeah. So when, um, people are playing like bad guys or villains, it's so important that when you're playing a character that you are on their side, that you like believe them, that you, you, because you're, you're playing that character. I mean, perhaps you could do a thing where there's like self-loathing or whatever, but as an actor, like you need to be on your character's side and like understand their perspective and know where they're coming from. Otherwise it's just like, you know, rejecting like an organ transplant. It like, isn't going to work. And it's the same, like uh, in coaching relationships as well. It's like, it's all about the win-win. There's like no need to sell somebody on coaching because if you're having to sell somebody on their own transformation, they're not ready for it. Right. If you have to convince someone like tap dance and be like, I'm the right person for you. Like then it's really not a fit or they're not ready or just, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. There's like a number of there's a number of factors involved. And I found like really the best relationships are where like they're ready. Okay. They have their doubts. Like they're, they might be like scared, but excited, Mm -hmm. but they're like, yeah, I'm ready to change. Like I'm, I feel like, you know what you're doing. I feel like I can trust you. Mm -hmm. Um, And that you like each other because you're going to be, you know, I, I work with clients like um, sometimes like, three months is really my minimum and I'll probably be moving to six months minimum because consistency and, and time are, are really important contributing factors to re- results and success. But anywhere from three months, like I've had clients for like two years, like, you know, two years at a time. Mm-hmm. So um, that's a long time to, to be in working relationship. And it's like, when you find someone that you work well with or, something clicks in that relationship and there is like it is the win-win like i enjoy coaching them they enjoy working with me Mm -hmm. then it's it can be a beautiful thing and lots of great transformation and then Mm -hmm. you are developing relationships and then they're getting incredible results and like there's nothing better there's nothing better than to be with someone at the beginning of their journey with you where they didn't believe something was possible to the end where they're like, I've just met the love of my life and I've never been in a relationship that feels like this. And I couldn't have done it without you. And it's true, but like, they also couldn't have done it without their own commitment to themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's like what the container, like what happens within that container between a therapist and a client, between a coach and a client is like, is like magic is like some form Mm -hmm. of alchemy, you know? And it's really cool. Um, it's really cool. And, uh, oftentimes my clients are seeing therapists at the same time they have their therapist, because usually 
the clients that I work with, uh, I think all of them are like fearful avoidant or healing through fearful avoidant, at least disorganized, but fearful avoidant. Um, So it can take a lot of work, but I've seen amazing things happen. And, um, And then a lot of my clients too have just done years and years and years of therapy and they come to coaching and they've laid this amazing foundation. They have a lot of understanding and awareness and insight, and they're literally ready to pop like popcorn. And it's just like, you know, it's just like helping them make these little shifts and like see these little things. And then suddenly everything is just like starting to make sense and they understand why and they know all the things and then they're able to like create some really fast transformation. So it's really cool to watch. Uh, I was reminded, uh, recently I was, uh, talking to a friend about, uh, getting into therapy, right? She had been struggling, you know, for probably like the last year, you know, her life is, but she's very, uh, we'll say stubborn. She's just a stubborn type of person, you know? Mm. So I happened to run into her the other day and I was like, so did you, did you reach out? And she's like, no. And one of the things she said to me is that she said, "Ah, it's so hard to, how would I ever trust somebody? And I was like, oh, I was I almost got excited for her because I was like, that's wonderful because that's exactly the place where you could you could begin to do that, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I, I was trying to, you know, give her a, a, a very lighthearted, not so, <laughs> you know, like trying to encourage somebody and not be not be pushy about it, you know? Right. I'm just like uh, telling some of my own stories about you know, in those places about some of the magic, like the basic trust of a person, because that's like one-on-one of like really working with anybody Mm -hmm. in a helping role is about safety and about respect and about listening, you know, and just how those basics can really be so goddamn healing, you know. And then, like you said, if the energy starts to move, right, if they've like put all these pieces in place and uh, mm-hmm. see things from different places and you can really you can there's so much energy available for us humans like we really can like shoot off like rockets some people can i'm yeah. more like yeah. of a like a slow prairie fire you know <laughs> but, <laughs> but but like you know i've seen it in other people and uh, you know just in talking to you and and hearing some of your stories just knowing that that's that's some people's, you know, karma. That's some what happens for some people. Yeah, they're just ready, and it just is cool to to like help facilitate and mentor that, and to see them like show up differently. Like um, the one client that had the younger child. Um, I remember I first started coaching her, and she would show up a lot, like you know, sort of stressed right and eventually she showed up and she was just like this just beaming she was like in a blissed out state and i was like this is exactly it like i my goal is to coach people into not needing me mm-hmm. and not to say like they don't you know need other people but to right. really um get to a place where they're able to like shift and do and it's um, it's just, I was, I think, I think about like seeding self, right. And so in all the therapy Mm -hmm. that I've done and the work that I've done, that I'm always scratching back little pieces of my own being, 
right? And when I get little pieces of my own being back, that I get more powerful as a as a person, you know? Yeah. And so think about the, like you as like you're like a builder or a coach and like working on the garden, you know, working on the energy, like putting the pieces in place, you know? And then it's like, you know, we did great work. Like now you can, you can take, these belong to you. This is you. This is your birthright. This is your being. And you don't yeah. need me to do any of that. Like maybe like, you know, I was, I'm glad to be with you and to help grow and to share and to explore and to, you know, put pieces of the puzzle together, but the puzzle is yours <laughs> and mm. your life is yours. And so, yeah. And so, you know, like yeah. the longest relationship I had in a therapeutic role was like, it was over four years, you know, and our, you know, our work came to like a very, really natural and wonderful conclusion together where we both kind of felt like, all right, we've done what we could do. Like, and we did a, mm -hmm. like a lot of wonderful work that I'm super grateful for, you know, and I still have plenty of work to do wonderfully, you know, but you know, that like that we built a fire and I was given a torch and then like, and now it's my job to, you know, carry it on into the future and do what I can do with, you know, the, the, my own light that I was able to recover, mm -hmm. you know? So beautiful, Nick. <laughs> I love that. No, and I, I love, um, I coach a lot of like therapists and entrepreneurs and practitioners. And one of my favorite things to see is, is like the ripple effects of how they're able to serve more people like with their light mm -hmm. as it grows and their energy mm -hmm. and just seeing like those ripple effects in the world. It's, it's just, it's really amazing. It's really humbling. And, um, it's just so cool. Um, yeah, I don't know if you wanted to discuss anything else or maybe talk about like your own experience with like the difference between coaching and therapy for you. If you're able to make that distinction, I mean, yeah, my in own my, experience. In mine, it's a little, I feel like it's almost a little muddier because of <laughs> maybe I was thinking maybe now that I'm like a, a decent candidate for coaching like I'm not really doing anything right now I'm I'm kind of cruising yeah. along you know mm -hmm. uh, you know I think about all the work that I did with my coach who was a therapist which I don't really get what we did you know it was coach it was coaching because he was in another state you know he was a coach well know? it was yeah but what you were doing was like a therapy model yeah uh yes yeah because it was more based in yeah it, yes i mean these things are kind of yeah i think more gray area than they are black and white to some degree but yeah there and are so, definitely yeah. and so you know my personal experience with all the different people. So I probably worked with like 20 separate individuals in my life, you know, most of those when I was when I was younger, though, going from like therapist to therapist. And that's one of the things I can say is about, like, having to be like on the same page, there have to has to be some kind of basic rapport, you know, because for so many people, I had no rapport, and there was not any kind of like real relationship. So there wasn't like mm. a bubble that was actually began, there was a couple of people, but it was just the circumstances of my life. It just it didn't work out that I didn't work with those people for very long, you know? And mm -hmm. so it takes me being, uh, 
like it takes my being sort of like baking or breaking down or maturing or it's sort of essentially getting so fed up that it made me more brave right because mm -hmm. like i had my hand on the stove for so long right that when somebody decided to show up and say like okay we're gonna look in a different direction i'll be like let's fucking do it because i'm ready you know mm -hmm. um but basic distinctions i like i've i've like struggled with some of the ideas because mostly because I, I, I see so much just in the container of what like a helping relationship does, you know, which is just like the, essentially the act of listening and the mirror neuroning effect, you know, that happens, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I guess that like I'm not necessarily in a place uh, what I, where I would consider like that and I need therapy. It's like I am functioning to some kind of level you know it's like I get up every day I, I do my job like I try to be creative and like my energy is at a certain place I would love for my energy to go on some rockets you know there's a couple of uh, whatever there's still plenty of work to be done you know so yeah I don't think that I have a just like a, a distinct because I think that there's some so much overlap but that's just yeah you know, that's just my opinion yeah I I was trying to think about how I would define like the difference and how it feels. And I would say, so I've had some therapists that I thought weren't as great, but I've had some like really good therapists. Mm -hmm. And I will say that what I thought those therapists were really good at was being observant and noticing like noticing me and like little tiny behaviors. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm so two of like my favorite therapists. Um, one of them, I remember sitting in her presence and feeling really, really small, like really tiny. And that was when I knew that I was, a, I was tapping into some like vulnerability and allowing myself to be seen. There was like probably some child part that was showing up and allowing myself to be seen. Yeah. And that was really new for me. And I could like, she was very good at like reflecting back to me and encouraging me. And like, I just felt very safe with her in, in order, like exploring some of these emotions and things. And then this other one I had, um, I went through like a rough time with a breakup one time and I knew I needed some extra support. So I went in and I had actually, um, some of my like fearful avoidant, my fearful stuff was coming up because I had a roommate at the time and we had like gotten into like a little argument or something. We were just, we were disagreeing about something and he was very tall and he raised his voice at me and it triggered, like it triggered me so badly. And we were like, like probably four feet apart. So it was like kind of close to me. And it must've just triggered my, my like dad stuff where I was like, holy shit, I'm terrified that I'm going to be obliterated. Like, I just had no idea what I thought was going to happen. And I like hid from him for like a good week. I was like in and out of the apartment. I like wasn't coming out of my room. Like I was trying to like sneak around because that's how like scared I was. And I remember I was talking to this therapist about it and she 
was like, slow down. And she was like, repeat that again. She would have me say things over like slowly. And it was because I was speeding through certain things to not feel the emotion of it. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, she was able to like help me slow down and like drop into it. And what I realized was there was so much fear and panic and anxiety. And she said, what do you think is going to happen? And I remember just like breaking down and saying, I don't know, but I was so, so scared. And what she helped me to understand is that even though I was afraid of like not knowing what would happen, that I could come up with a plan and do things and actually like have a conversation and it be safe. And, you know, so I ended up being able to have that conversation and feel safe and protected and having my own strategies and stuff. And, and um, so I've implemented those kind of things in my life. And uh, so I view both of them as like incredibly brilliant. I wish I had been able to work with both of them for longer. Um, I actually worked with both of them just for like a few months at a time, but um, yeah. And then I've also had some terrible coaches, but I've had really good coaches too. And also some of the really good coaches were also really good at listening to me and it's seeing me and reflecting things back to me and making me feel incredibly safe and expressing my emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, But I will say some of the things I had done differently in coaching might've been more like practical, like skills in what to do for scheduling or what to do with routines. You know, like I felt like there was some more tangible kind Mm. of yes in a way goal or like results oriented like a lot more of like how will we measure this like there's I feel like there's a bit there can be a bit more measurement in coaching and even though touching on past things it's like I think spending perhaps less time in the past maybe more time in the present and then and like making sense of the past so you can transmute it in the present to create a future you want instead I will say. Um, So, yeah, but a lot of the coaches that I've worked with have have done what I've done, which is like cross training in a lot of different modalities. Mm -hmm. So like I I am always training and studying Um, like a lot of my mentors are all therapists um, and I do continuing education credits with like um, the NICABM, the National Institute of Cognitive and Behavioral Medicine, because I want to be able to support people. Not like I'm like, I'm never going to take the place of a therapist. I really do feel like it's like different work to some degree and, and therapists are definitely trained differently, but Um, just because everything is really at its basis, like so very emotional. It's like what we're really doing is working with the emotional landscape. Um, And the reasons why we don't move forward in life is our emotional reasons. Mm -hmm. And um, so it is all really about energy. And it's like how coaches work with energy is different than how therapists work with energy sometimes, but then again, like I've said, there's so much overlap now that I think there's a lot of commonalities. Um, But then if you're getting into like psychiatry and like um, 
pharmacology. Uh, far, yeah, pharmacology. Yeah, that, that's like a different animal too because right. there's a lot of uh, different things. So anyway, um, the only other thing I thought to say, and I forgot to say it, um, that I'll just say now, is that the the idea of like wherever you go there you are so what can be a really sneaky thing when you're entering into coaching or therapy is the fact that we will likely end up recreating our patterns in relationship within therapeutic relationships as well or within coaching relationships absolutely and um i had a consult with someone recently and it's like her longest relationship had been like two weeks, but she had also started to replicate or she had had, was replicating these patterns with um, therapists where it was like Mm -hmm. the longest she had been with a therapist was like a couple of weeks. And then it was starting to like break those patterns and then the thoughts she had about those patterns. But so um, it can be very interesting to navigate that the journey of unconsciousness or lack of awareness into awareness even as you hire practitioners like it is likely that you will find people that are or resonate with people that may be like unhealed or or may re-injure you in ways that you have already been injured because of your own stuff wherever you go there you are right uh i well i think about it because i ran into it in that relationship of four years right after a few yeah. sessions, he happened to ask me, well, what do you think about me? And in my head, I was like getting ready to fire him, you know, mm-hmm. just because I had a, like a laundry list of things. Mm-hmm. And I figured out that I am hyper vigilant for any types of slights to like my what I perceive like people perceive me as or something like I, I get very sensitive. So it's like he's five minutes late. Well, it's like. Well, he definitely doesn't give a fuck about me, you know? Oh, so it's like making making meaning based on what, like how someone's acting, then you would definitely extrapolate, like you would make it about you. Yes, absolutely. A, like, and, okay. and, 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 and in a highly ultra-sensitive way, okay? Which is a recreation of my relationships as well, right? And mm-hmm. I, And I think that like that, I've seen it also in other people, but so I, I, I worked with him. He uh, encouraged me to tell him what I was thinking about him. And I didn't want to do it, but I did do it. And it was pretty amazing, right? Like that simple thing, because that was, that was really scary to do. Mm-hmm. But I also realized that like, because I worked with a few other people and I, I realized that in therapeutic and in coaching relationships that I do that with almost everybody right so mm-hmm. like there will be some mm-hmm. sort of like um uh rubicon it's just a, like an energetic boundary that I have to go through which is I will begin to either feel it'll be some sort of counter dependent thing like no this is wrong this person doesn't care about me uh, I mean, usually that's the, 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 the crux of it. You yeah. Know? They don't give like, a shit about me. You're they don't give a shit, shit about me. And when that happens, when that comes up, it's a whole trigger and it's a whole thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And absolutely in the past, I would have just taken that as like, Oh, this is just a sign of like, this just is what it is. Right. 
this person right. doesn't it's give a shit about person, me. Like, yeah, it's this person, like, it doesn't have to do with me. It just, this, here's another person that just doesn't give a shit, right? Exactly. Yet, right. A, yet another person. Yeah. And I've seen that in some of my friends who, uh, you know, delved into uh, therapeutic relationships where it lasted like a few months and then they quit. And I'd be like, what's going on? And he's just like, oh, you know, I can almost sniff it out now of like, you know, right. the reasons that they give. And I was like, oh, okay. I, I can almost, right. I can intuitively sense what happened was that you got triggered and then you pushed them away, which mm -hmm. is totally normal. It's absolutely normal. Uh, but it can be so uh, like, uh, it can feel so deep and so just like real that you won't mm -hmm. even begin to think that like, this is a mechanism in your own being to keep you safe which would be beneficial to explore past those boundaries right yeah because the that part of the like avoidant personality is very sneaky and very good at convincing it's very oh, yeah. good at it it's like absolutely it's like throwing your shit in someone else's yard and being like ew yeah they don't look at that all that shit in their yard yeah, and it's and, like it's and so shit good in the yard now. it's just there everybody you can see it can't you i mean it's like it's just like right so matter of fact it's so black and white that it just makes right. sense to like well i don't play around in yards with full of shit so i mean look yeah throw my hands up i'm out of here exactly it's like oh that's that's disgusting but it's like meanwhile you were the one that like lobbed all that shit over there it's just like classic projection but it's just it's classic so very projection clever. but it's but it's so sneaky so sneaky that, so it's clever. actually it's actually a little to me it's a little heartbreaking to like think about my friend who i know that that happened to because what i what i intuited was kind of a little bit of a folding in a protective mechanism that pushed yeah. the help away pushed the growth away and went back to where they were and i was like you know i was like yeah, I mean, I totally get it. Absolutely get it. But right. you know, yeah. want for them to yeah. see past and, that. And we talked about this, I think, on another podcast as well, but just like kind of the mystery of awakening and how it happens right. is like so, Yeah, it's like timing and like the nervous system and the circumstances and like the pressure. It's like creating a diamond or something, but it's just like compressing the All ebb and the flow of like where yeah. it comes, like the perspectives that you'll get and then lose, you know, like, you know, it's the, yeah. you know, just the learning perspective, you know, learning like never ends, like perspective never ends, like growing sort of never ends. You can just continue to go on up into the future forever, you know. Yes, yes. Sorry, I had someone call me. You bastard. <laughs> someone called me on my phone. Um, yeah. Well, this was... This is nice. Good one. I don't know what we're going to call it. We're going to... We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Anyway. And it will, it will be on the title, and there will be words under the title. Okay. It'll happen. Are you happy with our conversation? I am. I'm very happy. Um, I hope you all listening, you enjoyed it. 
leave a comment, subscribe, all those things really help. Um, I'd love to hear your comments and your feedback. You know, maybe you agree with us, maybe you don't agree with us on certain things. Um, it's good to know what you would like to hear about. If there's things that were helpful or you had aha moments, also love to hear about those. And um, yeah, so until next time, thanks for thanks for listening to the So Emotional Podcast. We'll see you real soon. Bye. Bye.